Hi everyone, this is Jack and you're listening to Scaling DevTools, the show that investigates how DevTools go from zero to one. I'm joined today by Ronak Ganatra, who is the Director of Marketing for Lano and was previously the VP of Marketing at Highgraph, which is a content platform for developers. I'm so glad you joined us, Ronak. Likewise, I'm happy we're finally speaking. Ronak, before you joined Highgraph, you were working in mostly B2C marketing for a VPN. What was it like on your first day working at Highgraph versus three years later? Lots of context to put to that one. Three years, that's a, that's a long time span. I think it's important to set the stage a bit on, on why Highgraph, or back then it was called Graph CMS, not Highgraph. So I was working at Zenmate, which is, like you said, a VPN, uh, very heavily focused on, on B2C. And at the time, we were our office was actually just across the hall from Contentful's office, which, as you know, is one of the largest headless CMSs or content platforms. And I remember getting really interested into the concept of what this content API and content platform was, because, of course, at Zenmate, we were using WordPress, along with PIMCore, which was also another CMS with a sort of folder page structure. So I got really interested in this idea of a content API and omni-channel content delivery, which is, I would say, a strong reason why I was definitely on board when I uh, decided to join Graph CMS. And now going to your question of how things look like on, on day one versus uh, year three, I still had a very B2C mindset. I joined somewhere in September and we were a small team. We were about 15 to 18 people at the time. So there wasn't a marketing team per se. There were two or three people on the team at the time who were working in developer relations, developer advocacy, and a mix of those. So a lot of it was foundation work in terms of marketing with SEO, with CRM, with looking into what the channel mix was and so on. And I had no experience with marketing to developers or working with such a technical product. So in a classic marketer's gullible sense, I joined in September. In October, I thought, okay, numbers could do better. I'm used to a much faster feedback loop coming from B2C. So I spoke with my CCO, who was my boss. We said, okay, October, Halloween, let's run a campaign. It's worked for us before. Why not? It seemed like a really good idea. We didn't really discuss it with the engineering team or try to get like a developer's opinion of what this could be for our first marketing campaign. We launched a, a Halloween campaign on Friday, first mistake. And I don't remember much about the details, but I'm sure it was some cheesy 31st October, here's 31% off kind of a thing, right? Like banners, website, pop-up, newsletter, the whole package. Went away for the weekend, came back on Monday thinking, okay, worst case scenario, we've got a couple of more hundreds or thousands in MRR. How bad could it be? Yeah, turns out don't do that. We came back, we had somewhere close to 40% of our user subscribers unsubscribed. Uh, we had like this huge backlog of intercom messages saying, just don't contact me, just leave me alone. And of course we had zero, zero MRR. It's not like even one person redeemed that offer, right? It was completely zero. So we sat down, we're like, okay, I think we need to figure out like what this whole developer marketing and developer mindset thing is all about. There weren't a lot of resources I could find at the time. I mean, of course, there were great companies like Auth0, like Twilio, like Vercel, which back then was Zite, 
who were creating content. But for me, I really had to start with the basics, right? I came from knowing maybe how to edit a JSON file. I had no idea how APIs really work or what this whole GraphQL thing was. So I sat down with our DevRel team who really open in letting me know what the developer mindset looks for, right? So they told me a lot about the companies they admire, of course, Tribe being the golden standard in terms of content and websites, what they look for with tooling, why they care about things like the visuals or the developer aesthetics, the documentation, that they actually spend a considerable amount of time reading docs and reading guides, which as a commercial marketer, something you would think like, okay, that's just a user manual, right? I'm not really going to read it. I'm going to look for the pictures. Let's get on. So I started to to understand a lot more about what they look for and how they choose tools. I'm not a developer by any means, but they took the time and had the patience to really walk me through how to work with, with our API, how to write GraphQL queries, what happens in a Gatsby front end if you change the structure of your schema in, in a GraphQL API. So a lot of these foundations are things they helped me with. And that helped me hopefully become a better marketer, but it definitely helped me improve how I was doing things at CMS. So that's when I really started to focus a lot on SEO, on quality content, uh, not so much on the quantity. I started to care about the visuals of the website and what the, the whole design language of the company was, what we could do in collaborations, how we could interact with the community, what sort of events could we get involved in. This whole new, let's say, channel mix is something that was what I was getting really interested in and iterating on and creating a lot of content around. And even as we grew the team, the focus was always in these areas. We had developer relations, we had SEO and content, we had sales enablement, we had product marketing. And it's at a very late stage, late stage in terms of my time at Highgraph, uh, that we started having more and more resources for ads or performance marketing, which usually would come much earlier in a marketer's life cycle. So fast forwarding to year three, I would say the difference between day one and year three was I was not running a Halloween campaign anymore or any of these seasonal campaigns or discounts. We were really a content first team. We were helping the sales and the partners team with sales enablement content. We were creating free content for the community a lot more engagement with our user base, a lot more guides and quick starts and open source examples and references that we were creating with a lot of these JavaScript frameworks and, and GraphQL APIs. So it was a very technical content first approach to how we were running things towards my time ending at PyGraph. That's really interesting. And I think one of the most vivid illustrations that I've ever heard on your journey is amazing. You mentioned that sitting down with developers and learning to use GraphQL and stuff yourself made you a better developer marketer. What do you think it means in terms of being a better developer marketer? I think it, on a very fundamental level, it's to me, it's if I'm selling you something, I should at least take the effort of speaking to you in your language, or at least on terms that you understand, right? So I think a lot of the times when we look at any resources about developer marketing, everyone's really quick to say, yeah, skip the fluff. You know, developers don't care about fluff, which is fair. But what is that fluff? Is it just they don't care about a certain messaging or a certain channel? So that really comes down to how you communicate with these, with these developers, right? And if I, as a marketer, if I'm selling a GraphQL API, if I'm selling 
flexibility in your stack with, I don't know, Next.js or whatever tooling you're using, then I need to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. I am not going to code an entire open source example for you, but the least I can do is be honest when I say, okay, if you are using our GraphQL API, if you've got a Next.js front end, they go well together. You can query content. Your content and marketing team is happy. There you go. Figure it out. I'm not going to do it for you. We have docs for this. So I think that's what it really comes down to is that if you can get this technical context and understand why developers use certain tools or why would they would want to use certain platforms, it makes your life as a marketer a lot easier for sure. But you also feel a lot more honest when you're, when you're pitching a product to them. That makes a lot of sense. You mentioned moving away from things like performance marketing, or maybe you, you weren't really ever doing it, but in terms of it's a lot further away, but then that also may become harder to measure whether you're doing a good job. And I wondered how you approach that. That's a good question because I mean, as marketers, we're always chasing numbers and dashboards and metrics. It, it really depends. If I stick with the performance marketing example, whatever experiments we did do, you have a very quick feedback loop, right? Whether it's a campaign on search, purely example, headless CMS, you know how many clicks you're getting, you know how many of them convert to leads or signups. On the flip side, a lot of developers use ad blockers. So how much could you really trust those numbers is something that we kept asking ourselves. And that's also when we figured, okay, let's just assume that whatever we know about our traffic may not be true. Let's assume half of them use ad blockers. And we know from our own developers that they like to consume well-written documentation. They like good guides. They like examples or reference applications. So let's use that as a starting point and start to create really good, high-quality content. And that's kind of the mentality we went with, right? So if for example, it could be something like using QL mutations with a felt application. So let's take that example. What we would typically do is have a blog post on how you can do this, have a repo on GitHub with a full rundown on how the API works and how all of this would be structured within an application. You would maybe talk about it over a couple of tweets or even at a meetup, right? These are all things that to get that collectively you would expect to drive impact you don't know how you'd measure all of them. And that's the mentality we went with and we were okay with it because not everything can be measured and that's fine. And over time, what we would use as signals to the success of this content would be, are people in the community talking about it? When we share it with them, is it helpful? Has someone found us via SEO or social from this content and signed up for the product? Or even if someone's just having a conversation with someone on support on the live chat and saying, I was looking at this post, trying to do this, I couldn't figure it out, can you help me out? To me, that's a good sign because you're not a click to me, but you're actually engaging with the content that's helping you. And things like this have a much longer feedback loop and you can get this even six months later, right? So another interesting example is, and the reason why I mentioned the Svelte example is we had the sales team speaking with a prospect way late into the conversation. They'd been demoing us and trying us out for weeks. And just out of curiosity, we were like, okay, well, it's getting kind of serious now. How did you hear about us? What was the whole process like from your side? And he was like, yeah, we were thinking about moving to Svelte. It's a relatively new framework. There's not too much content around Svelte. This is like a year ago. But we came across this one example you had and we were playing around with it and it was a really interesting approach to structuring the schema. We were like, great. So we had no idea you've ever interacted with this. You've never clicked on an ad. You've never been part of the same events we were, but you heard from somewhere 
that graph CMS or high graph was working with Svelte and GraphQL and that got you interested. And to me, that's that's a really strong validation point because I could never measure that on a dashboard, but you just have a feeling that you're creating good content, it's high in quality, and some way or another, I don't know, the universe manifests and it, it comes back to you in feedback in some shape or form. That's really very interesting. You mentioned there about working with the sales team and how you were able to like figure out where some of the deals came from, maybe in a surprising source. How should developer marketing teams be working with sales teams? It depends a lot on the product, right? So with Highgraph, we were a freemium SaaS product. So the sales team had little to nothing to do with, uh, with the free side of the business. So sticking with just the enterprise side, I would say the structure of the marketing team is something that impacts how marketing and sales work together quite heavily. So the way I saw the marketing team growing was uh, there were three essential pillars, right? You had developer relations who very focused on community and product adoption and helping developers succeed with the product. You had the growth function, which was things like demand generation, SEO, CRM the very numbers-driven side of, of, of marketing. And then you had the more strategic side, which was things like partner marketing, product marketing, events as well, where it's a lot more strategic and more about creating different formats of content. And I saw these functions interacting very differently with the sales team. So, for example, the product marketing side would be responsible for understanding what's happening within the product, what the new capabilities were with the feature set, what the new use cases were, translating that into a commercial value prop that the sales team could use in their conversations and really having this one-to-one -one relation with the sales team where they're fully on the same page with what the product's trying to ship. And they're also creating a feedback loop where they can give this prospect or lead feedback to the product team to constantly improve on. The partner marketing side would have a direct relation with the partners team to work with our ecosystem partners like Vercel or Cloudinary or our implementation partners to constantly have some co-marketing activities, right? This could be whatever, webinars, case studies, eBooks, doesn't matter. On the growth side, again, it's a quicker feedback loop. So here it would be a lot more regular and to the point where, okay, the head of growth would work very closely with the head of sales to understand what kinds of team companies we want to we want to speak with on an ABM campaign or what ad campaigns we're running are translating into leads and prospects down the funnel how can we improve uh, why are these leads dropping off can SEO create help the content team create better topic on these content pieces that are kind of a weak point down the funnel so the growth team and the sales team working very directly and then again, DevRel is the tricky bit, right? Because no one knows what they do. No one knows how to measure DevRel, but they all have an opinion. So at one point we also thought, well, DevRel, great. You know the product inside out. You can also help the sales team, right? Like help close some big customers, see what their developer problems are. And this, this quickly goes in either direction, right? At some point, I think the DevRel team was also helping out so much that they were just, a lot of their time was going and doing product demos. And then we figured out collectively, okay, this is not the best use of DevRel's time. Let's maybe take this resource away and then the sales team should have their own technical resource. So I would say DevRel and sales didn't necessarily have the one-to-one -one relation in as a sustainable long-term plan versus the other functions of marketing. So yeah, that I also went off a, a bit there into the, into the three, three functions, but what I was trying to get at is that marketing and sales should always be aligned, especially if you've got a paid product or an enterprise tier, but 
what's important to me is rather than just having regular weekly marketing and sales syncs and updates and presentations and really identifying stakeholders from each team who are the most relevant to stakeholders in the other team and trying to get them to collaborate in some cross-functional way on an operational level as much as possible. That makes a lot of sense. Amazing. Thanks so much, Ronak. That's all we've got time for. If you've enjoyed hearing what Ronak has to say, you can follow him on Gunny Ganatra at, on Twitter. So G-U-N-N-Y-G-A-N-A-T-R-A. And Ronak runs a developer marketing community that I'm in, which is amazing and would love it if you joined. So it's marketing2.dev. So if you just go to marketingto.dev, you will find a link to join the Slack channel. Thank you so much for joining Ronak. Thanks everyone. We'll see you very soon. Bye.